listening to a friend of a friend podcast, an ongoing conversation between friends about race and dot dot dot. I'm Nikki. I'm Austin. I'm Reggie. Kristen is our producer who is also in the room and I am Brian. Today we are going to be talking about race and the N-word. Who you sure you guys want to talk about that today? Whew. The that's N-word, a, a yeah. How do, how, do we, how do we start this conversation? This is something we've been talking about for some time. And w- I, I think everybody has some unique perspectives here. Um, mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> so, so what do we think? What do we think of the use of the N-word? I know um, myself, I've, I've had uh, mixed feelings about it through the years. And one of the discussions uh, we've had um, is that I think sometimes it feels like it's generational. Um, I know that yes. I've kind of taken that position and um, it feels like the younger generation is not as connected to the word in such an oppressive way as uh, perhaps even in my own youth and, and um, in older generations. And I've, had, I've actually had people tell me in younger generations that, well, it's different because we're this is N I G G A. Yes, and we're not using the original form of the word, so this is this means something different. Right, um, it's almost like flipping the word is like a like an empowerment thing. It's what I've heard from younger younger people. Mm-hmm. Like I'm using this mm-hmm. thing that was a negative with my friends as a positive now. Yeah, do you think that's really a? Does that really make this okay? And, Except I don't hear used in a totally positive way mm. say the way queer is used with the LGBT community mm-hmm. it's a sign of pride and identity and awareness I hear the quote unquote n-word used uh, along the full gambit I mean people are angry with each other and you become mm. you know <laughs> or it could be a term of endearment so it's that's why the mixed emotions on my part, as well mm-hmm. as just the historical um, violence that's associated with the word itself. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, I was in a, a meeting one time with a group of uh, people, and the younger it was younger and older people, and uh, they were talking about the use of the word, and the younger people were using it, and the older people in the room said, "Please don't use that word in my presence." And I saw like in the the younger people's eyes just this like really sign of respect and uh and they all stopped they didn't use it so it is i think a lot of it is a generational thing mm-hmm. <laughs> the difference well and i will say you know i, I know at, at ben's school it's it's almost an, an every other word uh, yes use. It's, it's it's that's in high school yeah in high school mm-hmm. and uh it, and i don't know I guess I don't know where to draw the line on if this is something that is is being in fact like f- tried being flipped and used in a different way. Um, I, I what Reggie said, I mean that really resonates with me that there's there's a there's a long history of horrible violence with this with this word and and why would we try to reclaim this? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't. I mean, I know we've discussed that in the past, and I don't know. I guess that's the question. Is it is it something that can be claimed as um, we own this word now? I would think it could be, but again, <clears throat> my uh, witnessing of the word usage is not a term of endearment. Yeah, right. It's it's, yeah. it's often derogatory. It's uh, mm-hmm. a put down. Uh, Particularly uh, urban African American males, man, this ended this. I mean, it's like it's similar to the B word in referring to women. I mean, it's um, it's a person who's acted usually in a negative way to the person using it. I mean, it, mm-hmm. I mean, there are times that you know this is my whatever <laughs> that mm-hmm. I, I've heard it that way. But most of the times that I've witnessed the use of the word, it's it's a pejorative. It's 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 um, you know, a kind of a term of frustration. Um, my other concern with with the quote unquote N word, and I, I use even that cautiously. Like, 
why are we tiptoeing around it? <laughs> and I don't mean just us in this group, but society. Mm-hmm. I'm afraid that uh, it becomes a litmus test for whether a person is racist or not. Well, I don't use this word, so I'm okay. So I'm okay. Uh, yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, that that troubles me as, as, as our usage. It becomes kind of weakened uh, to a test of use or not use. <laughs> And if you don't use it, then you're okay. You've, you've passed the test and you're, you're fine. And, you know, that becomes, a, uh, uh, I think, a larger problem for me as well. Just people trying to use it that way. Well, uh, that really makes me think of something that I, that, you know, I don't know the answer to this, but I've actually heard people say this, that this is something that uh, the black community, a word that the black community can use and is accepted and something that the white community cannot use and is never accepted. Mm-hmm. And is there some sort of empowerment wrapped up in that idea that like, hey, this is something that, that we can do that is never okay for you all to do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I don't know. That's an argument I've heard and it, and it makes sense to me. I mean, it, it's that's what I mean about the kind of the dual usage of it. If it were used in, in a kind of a term of endearment or empowerment exclusively, then I would be probably all on board with it. Um, I guess my caution comes from it's still, when I've heard it in, in context, kind of a put down and a negative image of self and others mm-hmm. who look like me. So that's where my level of uncomfortability come into play. It's just... Mm-hmm. it's still that kind of negative connotation and I can say I agree with you Reggie I can um, share myself I'm a, a I identify as a woman of color and I grew up in a predominantly white area in upstate New York and I um, I'm a child of the 90s and so I definitely you know my generation of music we heavily use the word and I have a mixed friend group, much like us at this table, and I I remember um, connecting with that word through music with all of my friends, and so to the point of, of what you're saying, Brian, um, I remember the first time it struck me that that did not feel okay was when we were in, in a, a, at a dance at the next town over, and my white friend used the word as if it was okay and we we were okay with her using the word in our group but then once she used it outside of the group it would just felt all wrong and it just helped me <laughs> you know yeah look at the word different and we were like shutting her down like uh no that is not okay and so all those rules kind of became it, it just became clear that, that this is this is not okay and um it was just such a striking moment as a, as a young person that the use of that word and what it can mean inside a group, outside of a group, between races, and really what she was doing, to your point, Reggie, was she was giving people permission to put us down and, and, so, mm-hmm. and to use the word towards us. And, and we didn't, you know, we didn't understand that's what we were allowing her to do by using the word among us and 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 she didn't get the memo because we didn't give her the memo Uh, um but yeah it was it just was a really powerful moment about the use of the word and it felt like just kind of that that reclaiming and i definitely subscribe to the tupac version of it Mm -hmm. you know his acronym and but then it suddenly felt very oppressive and and revealing in these these ways that i didn't even expect Yeah, I think you were tapping into the kind of the social history of the word and how, uh, beginning in slavery, how it was used as verbal violence. Mm. Mm-hmm. It was definitely a put down. It was not <laughs> something that slave owners or white people in general used to validate the humanity of African persons who were enslaved. It was all negative. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Does anyone know when when this historically started being used as uh, something in music and being used uh, regularly 
by the black community? Do we know historically how that kind of... You, you mean in like rap music or... Yeah, yeah. Well, I think if you, you go back historically even to plantations and what uh, has been called the dozens uh, mm -hmm. that slaves engaged with each other um, in kind of a fun way of making fun of each other. Mm -hmm. But if you even go back to that, you'll you'll see usage of it there. Can you explain uh, that a little bit? The dozens? The, the dozens, um, a kind of a verbal tit-for-tat um, way of supposedly none offensively joking around with each other like Austin your beard is so long you know you're tripping all over it you know mm -hmm. just it's it's in one way it's kind of a looking at a physical attribute maybe of you okay and then kind of making um satire of it or something mm -hmm. you know okay. just uh, um so you, you go back to that I remember in um I think it's James Weldon Johnson's autobiography of an, of an ex-colored man. Mm -hmm. There's a, a a phrase in there. I don't know where he, what his intentions were. I remember reading this as a kid. I think about eighth grade uh, in an integrated school in the Deep South. And having some of my white classmates laugh uh, about the poem. I think it said something like, Nigga, nigga, never die, black face and a shiny eye. And I remember the, the teacher, the English teacher, was an ex-nun. And uh, she really took time to debrief. And because I got really upset when the white kids were running around the you know, school mm -hmm. saying this. Mm -hmm. It was a, a part of this novel that she had assigned for us to read in this advanced English class. But, <laughs> again, when it became outside of the community, the black community, yes. the kids were running around saying this. It, it just really struck a nerve with me. I was, mm -hmm. <laughs> I was my male ego was ready to fight, <laughs> yeah. yeah, to defend. Sure. You know? um, so yeah, um, it goes. I know as far back as as that. Probably even you know, I guess with oral tradition. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Reggie, you you just um, yeah you talked about kind of tracing it to the legacies of slavery and mm -hmm. through literature. Um, probably if we, I, I know, you know, films of the seventies, you know, oh, you yeah. start to see that language and, yes. um, and you know, and, and what are those films called? The, the uh, black exploitation. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Like the, yes. Yeah. Um, um, the Foxy Browns right. and the, mm -hmm. yep. Mm -hmm, kind of that pimp culture, right. the, the, the black male icon. Um, we start to see the language in, in those, you know, in film. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely. I remember the Jeffersons, you know, I remember oh, yes. that language, George Jefferson using that, that language, um, that's probably taking it into the eighties and then, you know, the, the advent of rap music. Yes. Um, and I don't know the early rap, I'll be honest. I'm not, you know, um, I'm not a music historian, so I, I'm not positive that early, early rap use that, mm -hmm. you know, but, but. You know, I, you know, NWA, West yes. Coast, you know, I know that it was definitely prominent once we saw, you know, the late 80s. Um, it was, you know, it became part of our musical fabric. And, um, you know, also during that time, and I know we've, we've unpacked this a little bit, not a little bit, a lot. We have unpacked a lot of this at this table. Um, what you also see during that time is the loss of, um, you know, African and African, African American, um, public figures, right? You, right. you, you lose, you lose them, um, you know, with the assassination of MLK right. and, and, and then, you know, you, you do tend to see this, this, this incline of, you know, really oppressive language in the, in the black community. Yeah, I think the 60s and 70s, um, what I term, and I, and I don't give myself any credit for it, but I call it like black vernacular, like the mm. urban black experience gets more exposed in media. Prior to that, we had people like um, Paul Robeson, um, uh, the Harlem Renaissance writers, 
the kind of quote unquote refined people who had gone to either historically black colleges or mm-hmm. liberal white colleges in the north. And that's what we saw as examples of black literature. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the genteel class. Mm-hmm. And then the sixties and seventies of you know, say it loud, I'm black and I'm proud. Mm-hmm. You know, it, was, it became more mainstream to to see um uh, uh the pimp, you know, the um Good Times, I remember, it was a sitcom that, that yeah. started in the 70s, um, and it was set in uh, the, the housing projects, housing projects in Chicago, mm-hmm. um, extreme poverty, um, but before that, from what I could recall, it was more um, a kind of a measured, let's give them our best. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I mean, and, and that has its limitations too, because it it was set in that whole um, genteel white New Englanders coming south after the Civil War and and Yankeefying, if you will, the the newly freed slave. It's you know uh, your black experience is terrible. It's bad. So be like us. <laughs> yeah, and that that was their model. That was their missionary model. I mean, every major denomination did it. Yeah, it is interesting. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. part of what Spike Lee was trying to bring out in school days. Yeah, uh, with Mission College was how, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> you know, historically black colleges got started by white denominational missionaries, and this is what they wanted uh, to study Greek and Latin and Greek dramas, and you know and I always use the example of the Fresh Prince. They wanted Carlton, not Will. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. They, yeah, they wanted to create Carltons and not Wills. It's mm-hmm. a great example. That show, I feel, was ahead of its time. This is an aside, but what's the, <laughs> the Fresh Prince? If you go back and watch some of those episodes, it was it was pretty ahead of the its time. The Fresh Prince. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah, I loved it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the nineties. There's some there's some interesting social commentary uh, in that script that is um, that I think was lost at the time just because it was a funny sitcom yeah. with a laugh track. But, right, mm-hmm. yeah. right, yeah. Nikki, yeah. you said something about uh, the uh, Tupac um, usage of word mm-hmm. and uh, was there an abbreviation with the this? acronym yep it, acronym? it was um never n- so nigga n-i-g-g-a mm-hmm. never never ignorant getting goals accomplished mm-hmm. that sure. was that was what we subscribed mm-hmm. to um and and truly believed and you know even while watching fresh prince and and you know kind of clowning carlton and but but yeah, that that was what we. I, I think there was just a small space in my upbringing where that felt like it was it was true, and um, yeah, and, and probably um, the the moment where I realized that that you know it just there's a there's a bigger world than than what we're operating in was when I had we had that exchange with our friend yeah. kind of using the word and um, so yeah. Yeah, it sounds like Tupac was really trying to put a message out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of his uh, artistical style or skill was was to be profound in that way, to, to educate, to um, what's the term they use? Drop jewels. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, well, and he was yeah. like a like a. An artistic protester, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Like he, that was right. So it was mm-hmm. really protest language. It felt like we were kind of right. doing something or, or challenging something, and and um, mm-hmm. in, in, in in our space, it probably was true, you know. But but we weren't, you know. It clearly is much bigger than that, right? Like, <laughs> right. there's um, 
it, it, that's not what, what changes things, you know, by staying in your own small space and, mm -hmm. and, you know, but, but yeah, it, I, I, that it felt like that through the music. And so it was, you know, the, the word was throughout the music and, um, but it never felt like we were saying anything or doing anything wrong, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It sounds like Tupac did kind of a, a successful reappropriation. Mm -hmm. And then later from what I've heard of some of the other artists, I mean, I'm giving my age away here. <laughs> it's not really a product of the nineties in that sense. Um, it sounds like they just kind of took the word and just went with it, mm -hmm. using it in the everyday sense. Mm -hmm. There wasn't the intent of agitating and, and creating, you know, people dialogue among people. Well, right. And that's, that's your, right. And that's, you're, you're so right. And the other thing that was heavily throughout the music, and this is probably for another discussion was, um, oppressive language towards women. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. And so yes. we, we really were just kind of in that mix and mm -hmm. not realizing how violent we were being towards ourselves, towards our community. And, and I do think, um, you know, it's, um, young young folk stuff you know not just right. just not really knowing any better mm -hmm. um but but yes i think now as an adult looking back i think that had we just been a little more educated at that time in our lives because we all know we don't tend to get the you know the education about our past and history and right. in our schools traditionally um so I just didn't have the edu education to know exactly how violent the N word mm -hmm. was. And, and, you know, um, well, that's where pop culture takes over. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I was going to say the same thing it, from my vantage point, what happened with rap music, it, it started out as a kind of a, a grassroots, <clears throat> but corporate America discovered, Hey, we can make money off this. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's and not a little bit of money, but a lot of money <laughs> Yeah, mm -hmm. from these guys and girls, um, you know, spitting their lyrics and their, um, you know, their experience. It, it just, in my humble opinion, became exploited. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. that's basically the nature of capitalism, but that's another topic, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We have yeah. so much to unpack. Yeah. yeah. Right. Well, bringing it into present day, uh, I find really interesting. You know, it, it's a word that that I hear used, at least in this community, uh, all the time mm -hmm. on the bus um, oh, yeah. mm -hmm. and in the schools. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and it's become so accepted uh, in a way that sometimes, as somebody that grew up in the suburbs, uh, surprises me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, but also, I, on the flip side of that, we, I, I always hear this conversation about the current president and whether or not he has said the word and used the word. I have no doubt that he uses the word in a derogatory manner behind the scenes on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. However, this seems to be some sort of litmus test for people like, did he use it? Didn't he use it? And yeah, you know, yeah. if, if he did, then that's awful. If he didn't, then he's fine. And like, mm -hmm. like Reggie was saying mm -hmm. earlier, like, why is this the litmus test? Sure. But you know. Sure. Well, and I have, I think my, my initial response just, just, you know, um, because that's what, that's the, the main thing that w what people know, right? So kind right. of to my point that, that, um, w without our, our, our history, what do we really know, you know, about, about our culture and, um, and that's not to, that's not a condemnation of, of, you know, um, black urban people, um, but I, I do think that, that like much like my own experience, as I said, had, mm -hmm. I, I just didn't know enough about um, the truth of my history to know to understand what that might have meant um, on a larger scale to to, um, you know, to to the community. And so I have to think that that that, you know, that's still true, that people just don't tend to know. And, and that's the main thing that we've, that's been in the, the public sphere, right? Is that word. Right. Um, we, you know, and, and we, I mean, we, I've talked about this and, and I, we probably have talked about this in here that, you know, even the education in 2019 about slavery is still inaccurate. Yeah. And in, 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 in 
I don't, I actually, I'll, I'll be honest, I don't know what it's like at the high school level. Um, I know at the middle school level it is inaccurate, and I know, it, I don't even know if it's actually addressed in elementary school. Um, but so I, I just say that to say that, that people, how can they process what that means in, in the larger community if they're so disconnected? Right. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like it's intentionally inaccurate. Oh. Absolutely. You know, like this is not this is not something like oh we missed putting this in the curriculum. No, this right. is intentional. Right. And and it's one of the reasons I really appreciate uh, Brian Stevenson and his work at EJI uh, because that's that's the whole goal here is to get the real stories out on what really happened mm-hmm. um, that that hasn't been publicly accessible and isn't at the forefront of the conversation in many ways and. It's that whole idea of until we actually address uh, in the front of everything else what happened during this time period, uh, we, can't, we can't solve the problems that are associated uh, generationally with mm-hmm, slavery mm-hmm. Right. until we confront it mm-hmm. and admit it and say this was, this was the most horrible thing. And it's still having an effect on what's yep. happening now. And, and that's being denied over and over again. And uh, I guess that's maybe a whole other conversation, but it's really. Well, that's what I mean by the, the litmus test. It's, it's kind of like uh, you want to quickly solve the issue mm. and move on, but it's just not that quickly mm-hmm. solved. It's, it's so ingrained into our, the fabric of our culture. And I think what, particularly in the liberal north, it, it's really caught on that if, if I don't engage in that kind of language um, and thought about black people, then I'm okay. Mm-hmm. It, it's okay to um, redline neighborhoods so they can't live, live there. It's okay that my kids don't ever go to school with anybody of color. Um, just don't use that word and... We're fine. Mm-hmm. You know. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I have a friend in, in Atlanta who says that he can imagine there's some well-to-do white people who won't even say it around their spouses for fear that if you get a divorce or something, it might be used. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he makes a joke of that. He says, yeah. There are probably some really rich corporate men who won't even let their wives hear him say that because it could be used against them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was trying to think too um, while you were talking, Reggie. What what is the history of why it became so, um, you know, um, not okay to use? And I I'm wondering about the history around, you know, the civil rights and affirmative action, and you know how that might play into it as well. As you said, it became it's it's more like the the use of the word became a policy versus a, a um, you know a, a real uh, measure of someone's um, true true feelings, right? And so um, that's also on my mind. I'm you know thinking about that as well. Yeah, and what I was thinking too while you were talking is here we are, 2019, and we're just starting to have actual real conversations about reparations. I mean, are, are they yeah. real? Are Maybe they they're real? not real. Yeah, that's yeah. a good point. But, I, but I'm, hearing it at the, yeah. I'm hearing it at the forefront of some yeah. of the conversations, mm-hmm. of especially the new members of the House. And, yeah. yep. and mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, here we are mm-hmm. in 2019. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. What are your thoughts on reparations? Yeah, you seem kind of cynical about it. Nikki. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think I, I do feel cynical about it. Sure. I think that that um, I don't personally know if in my lifetime we will actually see reparations happen. I think I've definitely heard some great ideas in terms of even just through the education system. Right. Like right. we could that could be a tremendous way to. um you know, repair some damages to the to the urban and um, black community 
And, um, but, but I don't know. I mean, I think this, our, our government is so broken mm-hmm. and, and even before 2016, right. The, it was, it was already, um, you know, um, not, not in a great state. And so, um, I just, I do, I, yeah, I don't have a ton of hope for that. Yeah. I just don't. We were shocked when we lived in Georgia, how little talk about black history happens. Uh, and we, we feel a little fortunate that it's part of a lot of the curriculum uh, at our children's school uh, in the Rochester City School District. But, you know, going, going backwards here, I, I feel like there was just an intentional decision made to not talk about black history or slavery in a way that was uh, real and accessible for mm-hmm. children uh, and what effects that is having on us now, both the positive and the negative, and um, it's just kind of avoided. And and it, it, you know, it makes it always makes me think of uh, capitalism and how it goes back to the companies that are writing these textbooks, most mm-hmm. of which are coming out of Texas, and, um, and and all that's wrapped up in the. institutional racism mm-hmm. behind behind this and it's that that always that always that always really keeps me up at night i guess mm-hmm. yeah yeah i always say i i i only came in i only have the education i have because i chose to take specific classes in college mm. And right. it was only because what, what I started out doing, I, I realized I really, I was like, I can't do this for four years. So I, I then, you know, really researched and, and went into um, sociology as a major and African and African American studies as a minor. And mm-hmm. had, so had I not, you know, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, I, I just would never have been exposed to, to what I now am aware of. Um, and, and that's, <laughs> that's just, you know, really, really like disappointing on a hundred levels, of course, but even in those classes, there were always challenges. There were always, you know, naysayers and, and people even taking those classes who, right. who were in disbelief of the concepts and the, the, you know, information and facts. So, mm-hmm. yeah. um, yeah. 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 Same with me. That was the, my first eye-opening experience to race were, were classes I took in college yeah. on race and the civil rights movement. We did a class where we traveled around to all the different sites. And, um, you know, the first time I had really sat down with people and talked about things like white privilege and um, really unpacked some of those things. And um, Reggie, we've talked before about how, you know, you don't have you don't have to learn or you don't have an opportunity to learn about black history just just in in regular growing up in life unless you um you know know someone or live among someone and so um how that can really impact because you just don't have to learn the history of black people in this country because because in this country history means white history and that's yeah. the normative right right yeah mm-hmm. and that's the default mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly mm-hmm. yeah which yeah. is ironic in and of itself right the, yeah. like just yes. even how this country yeah started Mm -hmm. so yeah it's crazy yeah so much of it uh black history women's history is swept under the rug it's just Mm -hmm. ignored or Mm -hmm. not talked about or not considered and even the fact that we have to talk about black history (laughs) makes it a subcategory a women's Mm -hmm. history is makes it a subcategory um Versus American history, right? right? That, that's yeah. what I was getting at with yeah. the irony, is right. that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Anything other than the white Anglo-Saxon Protestant story is other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, mm-hmm. Brian alluded to capitalism, I think that has a lot to do with um, um, particularly the middle America, Joe the Plumber, stereotype that we have is that you know from my vantage point white Americans have been taught that you work hard and you earn your money 
and this is what you get <laughs> and and that's from cradle up mm-hmm. and when you start talking about privilege and advantages that you've had people don't want to hear it because they've been taught no i worked hard for this this is this is not a privilege i earned this i earned it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. this is I, I i followed the rules and this is why i have what i have the american dream right mm-hmm. and anybody can do that you can pull yourself up by your own right anybody strength. can do that mm-hmm. which is not true it's so not true. In fact, right. the whole system falls apart if everybody does this. Mm-hmm. Right. It I, still, I still always maintain that you have to have a large group of people on the bottom of this pyramid scheme or it all falls apart. Certainly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oppression is mm-hmm. yeah necessary. Oppression is necessary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and Reggie, I was just going to say when you were saying that, you know, white Americans learn, you know, the whole bootstrap not that I, I would say we all learn that, right? And, right. But we, what we don't learn is, is that that's not true. You know, so, right. Yeah, we don't learn what's missing for certain groups. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Reggie, I love that you and I are always on this vendetta against capitalism. It makes me so happy. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're all in yeah. Yeah. this a little bit together. Yeah, no, we, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm probably less versed in, in some of the language. Is, is, yeah. <laughs> it's evil as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> yeah. That's Here. why we'll never use our last names on this podcast. Because, oh, gosh. You know, why don't I? As soon as they come after me for being a socialist, you know. Like, oh gosh, <laughs> that seems to be the thing of this upcoming twenty twenty oh, campaign. Yeah, socialism. The well, Democrats are turning into socialists. Yeah. It's fearmongering. It's fear yeah, mongering. And 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 I have to wonder. I'm sorry, I'm like shouting. I'm like I have to say this. I, I have to wonder if people even realize what that even means, right? Yeah. Like it's just yeah. another way to other. Like I, right. if right. you challenge someone and say what is socialism, I bet you they couldn't even say. I know, I know. Like, I know they couldn't. The, the average, average person, person, right? No. Well, exactly. When I talk to the average person, they say Venezuela. We'll mm-hmm. end up like Venezuela. Uh, yeah. And find Venezuela on a map. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> or tell me something about it. <laughs> yeah. Because suddenly, suddenly, Russia's semi-okay, right? Like, right. like suddenly that's, you know, um, the, I mean, it, this is not, again, this is not a, a, like me coming down on people, but I think it's really well known that the average person doesn't understand politics, right? Like that's right. part right. of the process of capitalism. Well, is that's to keep... intentional too. It, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's always interesting to me when Venezuela gets brought up about socialism, but our foreign policy doesn't get brought up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, and how that affects. Well, and we're yeah. bringing, we're bringing up a, an economic system rather than, a governing system where where there are dictatorships. Right. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about dictatorships. Right. Right. We're right. Ta- we're, you know, it's it's exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. They're they're kind of confusing the systems. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, because capitalism gets almost painted as the government, which it, it by default is, mm-hmm. as far as yeah. I'm concerned. I mean, yeah. That's evident by look who we have at you know Pennsylvania Avenue. Yeah. And the system has not fallen apart. <laughs> because it's a well-oiled machine that uh, maintains poverty uh, among the masses, and and, and, use, and uses state-run religion to do yes. it too. Mm-hmm. Christianity is used right. as the means to hold yes. up capitalism. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. free trade. Mm-hmm. Another podcast. Yes. Yeah. How do we get on this? Yeah. I tend to derail conversations. Well, I think if, if you talk about racism. All these, all of these factors come into play. Come into play. Yeah. Absolutely. You, you can't talk about race in America without economics and social class, and religion, religion, healthcare. education. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I thought it might be interesting uh, since I since I'm always the derailer here. I thought it might be interesting to uh, talk a little bit about the, the N word growing up. And I know for me, growing up in a nearby uh, all-white suburb, it was touted as one of the worst swear words. You know, go ahead, say shit, fuck hell, say it all, but don't say the N-word. Right. And uh, that, 
that stayed with me and moving to the city hearing people say this all the time I thought oh my goodness what am I gonna do about this and 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 it, it really kind of affected me uh, more than I anticipated yeah it me and I really had to do some searching on both well why why was I told this so adamantly by so many people and, and was it for the reason that we talked about earlier, was it so that this is what's going to make me not racist? Mm-hmm. If I can, if I can get on the side of seeing that this word is, is bad, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. Um, I, I guess I'm still kind of examining both who told me this and why it was something that was, that was taught to so many of us from an early age. But. So your white family. Yeah. Yep. And then Brian, can you say more? Because I'm not even sure when you moved to the city and you started experiencing and seeing the word used, um, who who did you see using it? Can you say, was it, you know, young people, young people of color? Was it white people? Yeah, no, I, you know, I still, uh, I still have not experienced hearing this said by a white person. Okay. Uh, and, and this uh, is something that I hear mostly from young people people mm-hmm. yeah in mm-hmm. fact i don't know that i've ever heard it said by anybody over 40 and you probably won't given where you are yeah now if you were in silicaga alabama or lagrades georgia mm-hmm. <laughs> and were among working class white people mm-hmm. you'd probably hear it yep mm-hmm. my experience when i lived in baton rouge was i i i it was overt overtly used by white people yes um and it completely challenged my experience growing up in the the north Mm -hmm. which it was actually covert and i would usually find out in really again painful ways that you know i i have a friend and i was their friend forever and then you know i'd hear their dad using it at a game or something Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. um like i've been to their house you know i just never would have so so like you're saying reggie like the litmus test Right. That was also my litmus test, and I would find out in painful ways, go to the South, overt. Mm-hmm. People just openly yeah. used it. Yeah. and um, I'll tell you it's what. It's interesting. What well, I, I think class, here. too, though, even in the Deep South, um, professional, educated class, you would not hear it. Mm-hmm. You know, but a working class... Well, I can tell you where I experienced it was when I was waitressing at a Waffle House. So, so no more. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah. Shout out to Waffle House. They're not um, sponsoring this podcast. <laughs> but if you'd like to. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it, was, yeah. it definitely yeah. was not, you know, professionals in, or, or I should say, yeah, 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 yeah. It was working class. It was right. in, mm-hmm. in good old boys. Right. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Mine as well. Um, rural, poor, um, both in the Midwest and in the South, mm-hmm. I've heard, um, White, uh, white, mm-hmm. white men. Mm-hmm. Um, the first time I didn't call out. The second time I did, and uh, he said, "Well, that's just what we call them down here." Mm. I don't mean anything by it. That's just what we call them. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what to say mm. because, again, I had been raised not to say that, not to utter it, not to even. So. Yeah, I mean, dignified, refined, civil white people. Just don't do it. But again, it does not mean that they're not racist. Mm-hmm. Well, right. right. <laughs> well, here's something, that, you know, shifting from the N-word to the M-word. That's something I have heard white people, both in my community, back where, where I grew up, who, who claim to be dignified, use the term monkey. Oh. And that still oh. sticks I didn't know what me. the M-word was. I didn't either. <laughs> I was like, uh, right. and, I'm trying to look um, at Kristen to see, what, what, what yeah. are we talking about? <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. I, and I'm mm-hmm. still shocked by the I, like I can still mm-hmm. envision in my mind the moments when I've heard people use this. Yeah, yes. yeah. yeah. not a, aware of it. I guess that's kind of a, um, a bargaining or something that Northern white people have created. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, same power. I mean, same negative power. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Connotation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I know there was something uh, in the in, in media back uh, 
when when we had a president who spoke in complete sentences hmm. um, about uh, somebody was spewing this 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 hatred using using this term on on Twitter and referring to I don't remember if it was Barack or Michelle but there was oh, it was Michelle term. Obama yeah. yeah I remember that yeah, yeah. Hmm. and and I think that almost uh, fed into a promotion of using the term among certain groups okay. of people. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Well, that's the whole argument currently, right? Is that it's so, it's, it's, it's in the music. And so if you're, if it's in, if, that, if that's part of the lyric, I, any, it's, it's, anyone can use anyone it. Can use mm-hmm. it yeah. And, um, it's, that's, it's, it's challenging. It's difficult. Right. It's it's difficult to help people understand that. Um, I know that's that's going on in our current, you know, in our current culture, in our current college uh, climate here in Rochester. Um, I I mean, I even remember when um, uh, Jay Z and Kanye had that song, um, the N word in Paris. Oh, yeah. And and um, what's her name? Gwen, there, Gwyneth Paltrow tweeted it or mm-hmm. something, and yeah. you know people were uh, rightly you know not okay with it, and and she said, but they're my friends. Mm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that it really is what's happening is that it's it's the the prevalence of it in music is is giving people permission to use the word. And I still maintain that we're we're giving too much power, and not really. It's a smokescreen to what's really happening. You know, the real issues of lack of education, lack of healthcare access, um, you know, extreme poverty in, mm-hmm. in the rural deep south as well as the urban north. People were just not living. to full potential for whatever reason again because of institutional racism and when we get caught up I think in just the use of the word and not the whole system that's creating racism it's creating a lack of opportunity it's um, it to me it just kind of misses the point it's a mm-hmm, smoke screen mm-hmm. it just blows over <laughs> So Reggie, would you say um, when you say it's a smokescreen, and and um, would you is that is that what you kind of your message to to black people, like kind of um, you know to pay attention more and maybe not not get caught up in the use of that word? Um, is that what you or, or can you say more, or is that what you're saying? I'm not quite sure what I mean. I, yeah, I think. Um, Lack of exposure, lack of higher education, you're going to find more and more use of it um, among, you know, just kind of vernacular culture, just Mm -hmm. a a grassroots culture that people are not privileged to sit and think through things, but just the struggle of paying the rent, of having somewhere to live, having something to eat, clothes on your back. Are so much more important than reflecting, you know, self-reflecting mm-hmm. and self-actualizing. It's it's like mm-hmm. I, yeah. I can't get to that on Maslow's. I was just gonna say yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm trying Basic to put a shirt needs, on my back. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, you know, I'm trying to put shoes on my kids' feet. So all of that stuff is just a luxury that I can't even start to deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish that the institutional black churches were more. Um, proactive mm. in helping people self-actualize I, I really do I think yeah and I feel like that's totally possible yeah I do too yeah. if, if if individuals are willing to not reap so much you know personal mm. gain mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. and whether that be finance or just ego uh, mm. but really do brings us back to capitalism right? yes yeah <laughs> it comes back to capitalism and but it it is, I think, one institution that could really help to change and help people redefine and re-identify themselves. Um, 
in a positive light mm-hmm. yeah. in a healthy light mm-hmm. yeah and finding finding a truly progressive black church here in Rochester seems difficult uh, you know I think at best yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah at best yeah. right yeah. Yeah. yeah and a lot of that too we, we have to give credence to to Rochester was a boom town it was this place was started on the Erie Canal on commerce. Well, actually, even going back before that, the uh, trapping of the furs. The, the, the white settlers discovered that Native Americans here were trapping furs, and um, they came in and took it over and, and built a city. So it's, it's just built on um, getting money, getting mm-hmm. paid. You know, and, that, and then, of course, the gigantic Kodak came and... Was sugar daddy to everybody. Mm-hmm. Well, white Mo- people at most, first, yeah, yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah. In, in the sixties, finally to black people coming from the south or seventies. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's just it's predicated on this whole notion of getting money, um, which doesn't happen anymore. <laughs> so I guess I'm thinking as we're concluding our conversation tonight, I'm wondering what. What and and so it's probably important to to let listeners know we never really actually come to a conclusion, right? Like there's, <laughs> it's, right. it's really That's just right. kind of cliffhangers until our next gathering, and exactly. yeah. yeah. So so just well, we figured know that. that all out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, probably just more cathartic just to yeah. be in the space and and right. process. But um, well, I do think this dialogue is in part something that is an action item in uh, in addressing institutional racism and in addressing uh, structural racism mm-hmm, mm-hmm. by by merely having this conversation. Absolutely. So, yeah. Well, and that was the whole premise of the podcast, right? That right. we've been yeah. in this dialogue for a long time and we know it's important and right. we know others are having similar conversations and so let's share it with, with the world because conversation is important. That's right. Thank you for listening to A Friend of a Friend. Check us out on Google Podcasts or iTunes. We'll see you next time. Yeah, I think we, as, as um, you know, we cut... <laughs> yeah. No, we'll cut that. Okay. <laughs>